You're listening to Sound Opinions, and this is our 800th episode on public radio. Later, we'll hear some behind-the-scenes stories from the people who've made this show over the years. But first, we've got new music to review from La Femme, Serpent with Feet, and this one from Tune Yards. Yes, I meant to scare you. is Tune Yards with their fifth album, Sketchy. That's a track called Nowhere Man. Uh, the Oakland-based duo Merrill Garbus and Nate Brown are former guests on Sound Opinions very early on in their career. I've got I've got the stats. Episode 294, July 2011. Well worth checking out. Merrill Garbus, puppeteer turned one-woman band. You can see some of her thing in that show. Uh, amazing to see her perform live the first few times. Then with Nate Brenner essentially forming a duo, and they flushed out the band considerably over the years as the music has become more ambitious. But at at its core, it's still Meryl Garbus, those songs, those lyrics, that uh, that voice, voice, powerful, powerful voice, multi-instrumentalist as well. They have been uh, putting out albums steadily, as I mentioned, four albums prior to this one, traveled around the world, found themselves kind of burned out on just relentlessly... Uh, making music and touring behind the music for year upon year, and just sort of uh, you know detoxed a little bit by making some bedroom music together, just the two of them, uh, Meryl and Nate, working on stuff, seeing if it would turn out into anything. COVID uh, quarantine certainly encouraged that sort of uh, woodshedding, and that's exactly what they did. They emerged from this uh, extended period of cocooning with their fifth album, Sketchy. We're going to play a track from it before we review it. It's called Hold Yourself from Tune Yards on Sound Opinions. Hold Yourself from Sketchy, the fifth album by Tune Yards. Um, Greg, we were such fans of this band, and uh, what Meryl Garbus was doing was so unique, looping herself, building from these, uh, you know, stray melodic lines. I was a little trepidatious. What else do they have to share with us? Can they still surprise us? Is there anywhere for Tune Yards to go? And I am thrilled by Sketchy. This is the angriest, I think, Tune Yards has been. Uh, Meryl Garbus, you left out of that introduction a really inspiring activist, uh, fighting, you know, gentrification, uh, fighting cultural appropriation, thinking about the role of feminism 
femininity in the world today, uh, being very eloquent about all those issues. This is partly her looking back in Fury, that track we played, Hold Yourself. We all have doubts. We all have rage. We all have trouble being brave enough to turn the page. A lot of uh, kind of bashing by the Zoomers or Generation Z of the baby boom generation, uh, having let things get this bad with the climate and everything else. But also, you know, again, we we all have trouble being brave enough to turn the page. Um, Looking at herself and her peers and all of us, can we fix this world of its problems with racism and sexism and just existentially, will it continue to exist with climate change if we don't act now? She's angry about that, but also inspiring. This is a kind of joyful album at the same time that it's an angry album. And I think that uh, it's starting with her and her longtime musical partner and, and, and spouse, Nate. He was playing bass. She was playing drums. It started mm-hmm. from the rhythms up. And, uh, and as you said, that voice, always that voice. Also, my favorite line from her ever. Seems like Jesus and Dylan got the whole thing wrong. <laughs> if you cannot hear a woman, then how can you write her song? Mm. That's from Nowhere Man, the opening track that we bounced in with. Uh, man, what a great record. It is a great record. Her multitude of voices uh, playing off of Brenner's bass lines, I think that's kind of the core of the album right there. Yeah. And uh, absolutely foregrounding the rhythm. I think she wanted to make a body music album. Uh, I think she felt like there was too much furrowed brow in the last record, and she wanted to make something for the hips, you know, this time. That that was Uh, a really political album, the last one, which wasn't bad, but... A little and, preachy. And this one is political, too, yeah. but oh, it yeah. also is great to dance to and just to yeah. celebrate. It's, it's, you know, I, I, it's hard to categorize what Meryl Garbus is doing, but I would say sort of art funk, you know, this kind of attitude of, of danceability, uh, but there's also an artiness, a postmodern kind of touch where you're throwing lots of different genres and elements together and, and, and turning in these pop songs into a series of surprises. There's nothing predictable about these songs, and yet they're, they're catchy as heck, and they, they do get under your skin because they're so inventive. That song, Hold Yourself, I think that's just like one of the central uh, pieces of music I've heard in this young year uh, so far. I will hold myself now. You have to hold yourself now, too. Yeah. Uh, hold myself accountable. I think that's what she's talking about there. Accountability is a big theme in this record. As you mentioned, she's talking about a reckoning about what are we going to do about this problem. We can point fingers all day long, but now it's our problem. we got to deal with it. We're the generation that needs to fix this. Yeah, the clock is ticking. And there's no better way to get that message across than to fill a dance floor with a bunch of bodies, you know, Mm -hmm. grooving on this music. So, yeah, this is a great record. That is Heartstorm from the new Serpent with Feet album, Deacon, the second studio album from this artist. Um, In case you have not heard of Serpent with Feet, that is one word. His uh, real name is Josiah Wise. 
he's now based in Los Angeles. An experimental musician is what they call him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's an interesting backstory to this guy's career. Uh, Josiah grew up with ambitions to be an opera singer. He was classically trained. He worked his way up the, the, the ladder and was on the verge of actually turning this into a career, being an opera singer. There was a disappointment there near the tail end of that entire process where he realized, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to make that top tier that I want to be at. So he, he veered left. He says, what do I want to do now with this knowledge that I've built up, this voice that I have? How am I going to use this classical training? And he was inspired by Vorjak, the Czechoslovakian composer uh, of more than a century ago. Uh, he was listening to some of Vorjak's music and the idea of a lot of this classical music by this Czech composer being inspired by African spirituals mm. really resonated with him. And that sort of prompted him to go on this journey. What if I do classical music combining it with my experience growing up in the Pentecostal church yeah. it, with my family? he'd always been singing been in singing church. been singing in the yeah. choirs as well. So what we have is this second career that he has forged, uh, you know, came out with a debut uh, studio album in 2018 after an, a 2016 EP followed with another EP in 2020, and now we have Deacon in the brand new year. Let's play a track from Deacon before we dig in. It's called Malik from Serpent with Feet on Sound Opinions. Should've known when I put this trip down south. All the songs I thought I knew was gonna get turned out. Pull up to the club and then I see my future king and his eye on a sparrow. His outfit kind of corny, you can notice I think A corny man's a healthy man, you know it's right, right. His pants say that he loves his mama And I think it's bomb I can't wait to show up to the dinner Oh, That is Malik from the Deacon album, Serpent with Feet, a.k.a. Josiah Wise. Greg, that was a a fascinating introduction, and you only scratched the surface. He is also a black gay man Mm -hmm. who, as he says, I love to love on other black men. And that is the theme of Deacon. Uh, This is a sensual album. I can't can't think of a more sensual album than I've heard... uh, in years, uh, you know, this is you know in a classic in that R and B trope of the very fine line between Saturday night and Sunday morning spirituality and full flung sensuality. It's it's in the middle, uh, and as he said in an interview, I saw, you know, so is the deacon. The deacon is the connection between the layperson, the the congregant, and the priest, mm-hmm. right? And 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 he's got some of the powers to bring both together, he or she. Um, you know, uh, I am not a, a, uh, a black gay man, and yet the, the sense of sensuality and lustiness and uh, 
the, the connection that we can find with someone who is truly our soulmate. In the song Fellowship, he sings, this is the blessing of my 30s. I'm spending less time worrying and more time recounting my love. And I'm so thankful for my friends, my friends. I'm thankful for the love I share with my I think those of us who were lucky enough to have gotten through the pandemic year with someone we love know uh, just how important that was. And he set out, he said, to make a sensual album. And wow, you know, the combination of R&B, gospel, classical, electronic musician, uh, it, it's just a stunning, stunning record. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a slow jam record, so if you're thinking, where is this coming from? Well, think Marvin Gaye in the oh, 70s. Yeah. Think, uh, think Maxwell. Think yeah. Frank Ocean's first record. The, yeah. These kind of things are all in there. And I think the one thing that the, all these artists share is they project a kind of a generosity about expressing themselves. They're, not, they're willing to be openly vulnerable and sensitive, uh, which is a rare thing these days just in general. You know, everybody's with the hard poses, but here these guys are coming from a perspective of I'm going to kind of stand here you know, uh, metaphorically unclothing myself, you know, to to, to reveal who I really am. And as you mentioned, this experience as a black gay man is foregrounded in this. You know, the previous, it's interesting, his first record was kind of dark, the first album. And it was kind of, uh, you know, there was an element of almost despair in it, angst. Well, he had said he has not found love at mm -hmm. that point. Did this, not know that it was possible. And this record was kind of like, a joy, as you said, joyous in, the, in its celebration. And I love, you know, when you think of a, 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 a bedroom jam record, you know, you, uh, a slow jam record, you think of it, it's just going to, hey, I love you, baby, you know, let's, you know, let's make love. Uh, there's that, but it's, the detail in the writing is just beautiful. I think, you know, these lyrics, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to quote some lyrics here. You came around and just changed the way I laughed. I love that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come over here missing your beard. That is like, talk about an open, yeah. here it is, you know, yeah. I'm a gay guy. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing about it in a very uh, open and celebratory way. Blessed is the man who gambles. Blessed is the man who wears socks with his sandals. I mean, I laughed out loud when I, when I heard that line. No, yeah. He's just, he's telling you who he is and right. what he loves. And, you know, I think that's just, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And the music itself is, is this sort of avant-garde take on, on gospel music. And I, again, inventive there in the way he's approaching. These are not conventional songs, but as you heard in that song Malik that we played, uh, the gospel overtones are very apparent, and and uh, there's some really beautiful music here in addition to some really beautiful lyrics. Well, and I would say that despite all the descriptors we put on uh, Josiah, um, this is an album for everybody. Yeah. Sur le bord de la route, on m'a laissé traîner la nuit, et ça, et ma tête est en pleurs sur le pavé. 
That is a little bit of a song called Paradigm from the new album by La Femme called Paradigms. That's plural, the album title. The song title is singular, Greg. Um, I fell in love with La Femme when I discovered them in 2016 as a buried treasure, and their second album, Mystery, uh, wound up being my number three record of the year, that year. Uh, I went back to the beginning. Uh, This started as a collaboration of two high school buddies growing up in uh, Biarritz, France, which I guess is a, a suburb of Paris. Um, you know, uh, very much a duo, Sasha Gott and Marlon Magny uh, on, uh, on guitar and keyboards, uh, like, uh, like uh, Daft Punk, right? Mm-hmm. Producers, songwriters, uh, auteurs, yeah. right? Because La Femme, a name that they meant to evoke the eternal power and mystery of women, they're French. They mm-hmm. like women. Uh, you know... Uh, you know, is is a revolving cast of musicians who have joined them at different times and guest vocalists, uh, some extraordinary uh, women vocalists. Um, For album number three, which is almost five years in the making, they have no fewer than five uh, female vocalists collaborating with them at times. They've got uh, uh, some Parisian jazz musicians who apparently in in small clubs in Paris play uh, New Orleans old fashion, New Orleans-style jazz. Uh, they've got all the influences we had in the past, surf and psychedelia and EDM and classic French uh, pop a la Saint Serge Gainsbourg. What are they doing? How does it all add up? Uh, I want to play a song. Uh, I would say this isn't typical of the album, but with 15 tracks, every song <laughs> is a different sonic voyage. Uh, this song, Cool Colorado, uh, well, we can talk about it on the other side. It's it's something different on this album. La Femme, Cool Colorado is the song from the album Paradigms. Cool Colorado, je viens te rejoindre. Je viens m'asseoir sur tes bancs et respirer le vent ici. La vie est calme, les anges me caressent. Et je fume dans les rues sans le stress. Un peu comme à l'ancienne, loin de mes problèmes. Là où on vient, je sentir la chaleur. Sentir la douceur du vent des montagnes Sweet Colorado La radio joue un morceau de cowboy Sweet Georgia boit dans les cheveux Je fume une cigarette, papier maïs Au coin de la sixième Je viens du nord pour rejoindre l'ouest Je pose mes valises chez Lizzie à Denver City C'est là que le train me laisse That is Cool Colorado from Paradigms, the new La Femme album. Uh, you know, the French do this swanky retrofuturism. I mean, they, they, it's like the national soundtrack. You, oh, it's perfect. You know, it's per- Don't you feel like we're, we're sipping espresso at a cafe Well, I was going right to say, now. it's a cafe au lait. It's the froth on the top. You know, mm-hmm. it's sort of that milky concoction on the top of it. And you just feel like you could... You know, it's very luxurious and very decadent. And, Essential. You know, yes, indeed. 
you know, and, and, and then the sort of this pastiche style where they're merging all these different styles of music. This has been in the bloodstream of, of, of French pop for, for uh, you know, more than half a century. You know, we talk about the space age bachelor pad music trend here in the late 50s, early 60s in the U.S. And now DJs in North America do that sort of thing, you know, the chill out kind of music. Yeah. But in France... They have entire bands devoted to this kind of vibe, well, you know, going yeah. all the way back to Serge Gainsbourg. But you think yeah. about Air, Early Phoenix. Yeah. No, no, no. It's like, it's like French bread. Yeah. In theory, you can buy it at the Jewels, yeah. right? But it ain't the same yeah. as when you're in France. And I got to say, I love the way they layer those, those background. They use those background vocals like an instrument. It's very seductive, very cool. I love the fact, like in a song like Disconnection, where you get this sort of disco-y, Euro-disco beat going on. And then all of a sudden... There's this banjo in the middle yeah, of it for yeah. no apparent reason. Et tout cela reste de l'ordre du concept et demeure certain. It's kind of cool and like oh it's you know completely in Very very tongue in cheek. I gotta say I, I really like this record. The only only track that kind of makes me laugh out loud for the wrong reasons is Foreigner. Yeah. You know, the baby, you know, baby, and yeah. I feel like a, a, a foreigner. I want, I need a passport to your heart, you know. And the English yeah. lyrics are not yeah. good, you know. Yeah. It's kind of better when they're singing in French, right? Oh, absolutely. Because Stick you to the I French are, guys. are completely ignorant. Yeah. Uh, but I, I went to the translator machine, Greg. Yeah. Cool Colorado, right? They're imagining a trip to the American West. <laughs> the translator machine, and I'm sure it loses in translation, mm. tells me uh, the vocals are, I'm coming to join you. I come to sit on on your uh, fences and breathe the air here. And I'm like, wow, okay. All right, so it's probably better that we don't know what the lyrics mean. <laughs> but this is a, a, a celebratory album, a celebration of women, a celebration of French music, a celebration of that pastiche approach. And it, it, it's not uh, as polished as uh, much of that French... French pop in the 60s was. You know, there, there's there's even a punk song here, uh, you know, that, that recalls, to me, Plastic Bertrand, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're all over the map, and, and it's kind of as if Daft Punk uh, met Stereolab, <laughs> you know, because they got the indie thing, because yeah. they, they, they're not nearly as slick as Daft Punk. Daft Punk or even Air, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's something kind of like you know held together with duct tape about it, which <laughs> make, which makes it all the more lovable. I, I love this record. So those are uh, three pretty lively reviews of Tuneyard, Serpent with Feet, and La Femme. What do you think of these bands? Leave a voice message on our website at soundopinions.org. When we come back, we're going to hear some favorite moments in Sound Opinions history from our producers. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions. <laughs> Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and I don't know which of us is more shocked, but we have made it, Mr. Cott, to 800 episodes on public radio. We did this for years before, but we yeah. don't talk about that so much. That puts us over 1,000, which makes me feel really old, even older than I already am. But I, I do feel like... Uh, 800 episodes is about 799 more than I expected. and oh, uh, We never thought we'd get away with each this. Each one's a gift, right? <laughs> Every single week, you know, I mean, if you if you say to us, what's your favorite episode of Sound Opinions, uh, it, it's like the one we're taping now, right? We always feel that way. Yeah, well, and it, a lot of it is having fun. Doing, doing this job is fun. 
Mr. DeRiotis, I have to say I have fun with you. We, we love poking fun at each other. Uh, our producers are fantastic people. You know, we always say it, Greg, can't say it often enough. This show would be nothing without the hard work of all of the producers who've given us their talents. We've had some great people on the staff over the years. We're going to start by hearing from our two producers now, Alex Claiborne and Andrew Gill. Hey everybody, this is Alex Claiborne. I'm a current producer on Sound Opinions and I've been working on the show for six and a half years now. I have so many great memories from working on the show, from our live events like movie nights in Millennium Park or from our live Goose Island event performances, which are so fun. But I think one of my favorite memories was getting to meet Mavis Staples in 2017. Uh, well, 11 years old when we first went out mm. to sing. Oh, 11 is when he went pro. When we, <laughs> <laughs> not totally pro, but when we went to the first, first storefront church. Okay. You know, we went out of the living room because mm-hmm. we started in the living room when I was about eight years old. Wow. And at 11 years old, uh, by the time I was 11 years old, my Aunt Katie lived with us. And she came through the living room one night and heard us rehearsing, and she said, shucks, y'all sound pretty good. (laughs) I believe I want y'all to sing in my church Sunday. Getting to meet her was so special because, first of all, her voice is amazing. What she does for the community, what she does to inspire people is amazing, and she's just a wonderful, warm person. Getting to give her a hug was so lovely and I just feel really grateful that I was a part of that day because it was so much fun and and really special. So congratulations, Sound Opinions. I hope we have many more episodes to come. Hey, this is Andrew Gill. I've been a producer on Sound Opinions for three years, but before that, I was the guy who shot video of all their live performances. And the one I remember the most was Arcade Fire in 2011 months after winning the album of the year Grammy, they came through and brought eight musicians to record in our little studio on Navy Pier that was really designed for like jazz combos and classical groups. Uh, So they sent an advanced crew to uh, work on the sound beforehand, like a day in advance. Then the band showed up and, you know, we're all very pleasant and nice, but I was trying to squeeze myself and about five cameras into the same room with all eight of them. And we had the baffles all turned different directions, but you know, they were always an ambitious band. So they didn't want to just play their normal version of the songs from the suburbs. They wanted to work out completely new arrangements, which was great, but, uh, meant there were lots of takes. So I was uh, squeezed in a corner, hoping that my camera batteries didn't run out in the middle of the take that was going to be the one (laughs) that we would use. What are you guys going to play for us? I think we're going to play Sprawl 2. Yeah. Sounds good. Acoustique.
they turned out great and it was a uh, well worth the five hours I spent standing on a chair, stressing out silently. Hopefully we're back to having live music soon and we can have some more great performances on the next 800 Sound Opinions episodes. Hey, Jim and Greg and Alex and Andrew. This is former Sound Opinions producer Evan Chung. Congratulations on reaching 800 episodes. I know I've had many memorable moments working on the show from all the great in-studio performances we had to the many interviews we had with some very amazing and often very strange characters. One interview that comes to mind is one we did with Penelope Spheris, the director of some of the best rock movies of all time, uh, The Decline of Western Civilization films, and of course, Wayne's World, just a very hilarious and amazing person. Penelope, we are honored to have you on, the director of Wayne's World and so much else. Welcome to Sound Opinions. Well, thank you very much. When you were when you were making Wayne's World, all right, mm-hmm. it's early on in your career. And she was telling us about how she also directed the less memorable Little Rascals movie just to make a quick buck. And in fact, that she still has so much money left over from that that she doesn't know what to do with it. And so Jim and Greg said to her, well, if you've got it laying around, you could send some of it to us. And she said, yeah, okay. And then maybe a month later, an envelope appeared in our mailbox at the station with a check in it made out to the show by Penelope Spheris for 10 whole dollars, which I thought was a, an amazing move. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! We're not worthy! Anyway, congratulations again on 800. Can't wait to hear the next 800 episodes. I'm Ayana Contreras, and I worked as a producer for Sound Opinions from 2017 until midway through 2020. Uh, one of my favorite memories of working on the show was um, working on the capper, you know, all the folks who call in. I didn't necessarily enjoy doing the capper, but what I did enjoy about the capper were connecting with some of the characters that are part of the Sound Opinions family. And probably the most memorable to me was Greg from Las Vegas. Hey, Jim and Greg. This is Greg from Las Vegas. I just wanted to... Uh... Who would call every single week and give outstanding commentary, updates, stories about his time at Epitaph Records. And of course, the updates about Yolo the Cat. Definitely something that I miss. Hey, Jim and Greg. First time, long time. Um, I mean, I literally have never called into the show. My name is Robin Lynn, former Sound Opinions producer. Congratulations on 800 episodes. I remember when we kept thinking they would kick us off the air. Um, when people ask me about my time on this show, and I worked on it for about 10 years, I think they probably want to hear some exciting story about a famous rock star that I got to meet. But honestly, all of our guests, well, most of our guests were really lovely to meet in person. And a lot of them were people that I've been obsessed with since I was a kid. Um, Mary J. Blige. And we are here with Mary J. Blige. Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you. New album called The London Session. We were like this coterie or a, a salon. They allowed me to be part of it because I could play the fact is I could play Rebel Rebel without sticking my tongue out. Right? <laughs> They're all like, mm-hmm. and I just was like, oh, give, give that to me. 
So I, I remember that being a, a big moment for me because these older guys didn't want to let on that they thought I was good. But you know, and he was like, "All oh, right, this looked kind of easy." John Kale. John, why is Gravel Drive dedicated to your daughter Eden? Oh, it's my way of telling her that when it wasn't explained sufficiently to her when she was small that dad goes away because that's his job. Hmm. He goes on tour. And I'm so back. glad that and the audience you know, got to experience those in-studio interviews and performances. As a producer, those days were really about the unsexy logistics of getting a tour bus to Navy Pier. So I don't think back on those moments a lot. What I do think about are the moments when I got to see this community that formed around the show. You know, moments like Spinal Tap fans filling up Millennium Park and Talking Heads fans just getting up and dancing in the aisles at the music box in Chicago. And, um, you know, right now as I'm sitting here and my walls are closing in, it's really hard to imagine bumping up against somebody in a movie theater, but I'm really hopeful that we'll be able to do it again soon. Congratulations again and miss you guys. My favorite sound opinions memory. Boy, is that hard to keep it to just one thing. But here it goes. My name is Jason Saldana, and I was a producer on Sound Opinions for 10 years. My favorite band during my tenure was Radiohead. And by some stroke of luck, we were able to book them for an intimate interview and performance in 2006. The interview was great, and Tom York performed solo on the piano, which was a real coup. I know you guys got to go, but uh, we really appreciate the time. We're here with Tom and, and Johnny from Radiohead. And it's been a real pleasure. I thought we just getting warmed up. I, but I, hey, I, I you want to play with the Steinway? It's yeah, all yours. That'd be cool, man. So which one am I going to do, John? Headphones. Juicy, Lucy. <clears throat> But it didn't end there. Later on, they played Lollapalooza in Grand Park, and during one song, Johnny Green would sample live radio and incorporate it into the mix. The show that he happened to sample during the performance? Sound Opinions. It was surreal to see them live and hear our radio show coming from the stage. It was a real 360 moment for me. Anyway, love the show. First time caller, forever fan. Jason. Hey, Sound Opinions. Uh, Annie Minoff here. I was an associate producer on the show for a few years. And as associate producer, some of my job was listening to the voicemail line. A moment I won't forget is I was going through the calls and we got a call from a guy who was responding to a Greg Cott Desert Island jukebox pick. And it was uh, Moonshiner by Bob Dylan. And first of all, amazing song. <laughs> One of my favorite songs. 
I've spent all my money on whiskey. about a gut punch and this guy um, described listening to it um, while he was riding his bike and he talked about how he had struggled with alcohol addiction um, and when he heard that song felt like it was talking just directly to him and started crying you could just like hear in his voice how much that song meant to him and for me that's always kind of what sound opinions was about um, kind of sharing music that can connect with people like that. And yeah, still one of my favorite songs and I'll I'll never forget that caller. And drink with my friends Where the women can't follow And see what I spend God bless them, pretty women, I wish they was mine, their breath is as sweet as... Hi, this is Sean Campbell. I was a producer on Sound Opinions from 1999 to 2005, and when I think back about my time with the show, the memory that really sticks with me is when Wilco came in and played live the week after 9-11... And they had just started streaming Yankee Hotel Foxtrot on their website that day, and we had them in for the entire show. And at that time, it was so hard to know how to be. You know, it felt like everything was terrible. You didn't know even if you should be doing a show or if you could be at all lighthearted or if everything had to be really serious. And the band came in, and they played, and they talked, and uh, the whole crew and the band were squeezed into a pretty small studio. And it was just really intimate and really freeing after all this heavy weight that had been on everyone for the past week. And, you know, those songs have so much resonance, some of the lyrics with what had happened. And all the falling leaves Filling up shopping bags And some of the conversation was lighthearted and some of the conversation was really serious, but it just really felt like the best use of music to bring people together at a time when everything just felt so uncertain. And to this day, it's one of my favorite memories of my time with the show. Do you have a memory you'll never forget that's connected with the show, or maybe one that you'd like to forget but can't? <laughs> Tell us about it by leaving a voice message on our website, soundopinions.org. 
When we come back, we're going to hear some of those voice messages listeners have left in recent weeks. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and this is the 800th episode of Sound Opinions. We just heard some of our producers' favorite memories of making this show, but where would we be without our listeners, Greg? Nowhere. And we love to hear from them and bring them into the show. Yes, we do, Jim. We do love hearing feedback from our listeners, so let's hear some right now. New messages. My name is Shannon, and I grew up as an only child of a single mom in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee. And every Saturday, we would clean the house and crank tapestry. I feel the earth move. Every time I hear it, it reminds me of the strength of women, the beauty of creativity in the 70s, and I just love it. I still listen to it regularly today. Loved your show. Thanks. You guys do great work. Hi, guys. My uh, recollection of Carol King's tapestry, uh, when I was a young child and my parents divorced, and uh, I was living with my mother at the time, and uh, she she played the album nonstop. You know, at the time, it, it was a tough time, and it was a soundtrack to our um, feeling sad and left behind, but also of of hope and resilience. I really need someone to talk to And nobody else knows how to comfort me tonight It's just embedded in my mind every time I hear the album. It transports me back to that moment in time when I was, you know, probably a six-year-old child with my mom and the album itself is like a, a warm blanket now. It really lends itself to um, to nostalgia, but also of hope. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Chris calling from Nashville, Tennessee. I enjoyed your show about Carol King, but um, I did want to take particular issue with what Tony Stern said about Bob Dylan being the first of the singer-songwriters. What is your perspective on how Carol's songwriting evolved over that time? Well, there was not really such a thing as the singer-songwriter until Dylan came along and then Carol and James Taylor and Ricky Lee Jones and Joni Mitchell. I don't think she meant anything by it, but I think by perpetuating this myth that Bob Dylan was the first singer-songwriter, we're doing a great disservice to earlier singer-songwriters, particularly uh, the bluesmen of the early, early 20th century. Uh, who we often refer to as blues singers or blues men, and we don't give credit to the fact that they were often performing uh, their own material, and that Bob Dylan is standing on their shoulders and performs their material. I think by perpetuating this, we are also contributing to the erasure of black singer-songwriters in the present day, uh, and so we need to uplift people like Valerie June, like Amethyst Kia. who can trace their lineage back to those people uh, and who maybe Bob Dylan was an influence on, but certainly was not the originator of the style uh, that they are bringing into the present moment. So thank you very much. Bye. Hey, Jim and Greg. This is Greg from Las Vegas. I just wanted to uh, compliment what a great show you had about fortune records out of detroit and i used to work with uh, epitaph back in the 90s before they were much of anything 
and until the offspring, they signed the offspring. And uh, once the offsprings signed, Smash, I think, was their big hit. But what was interesting is like prior to the offspring, everything was a handshake in a verbal agreement and a verbal promise. But once the offspring exploded into the stratosphere, they bailed for like Warner Brothers or something, which kind of affected the label. But needless to say, everyone's salaries went up from like minimum wage to like a little more than minimum wage. And I uh, also wanted to chime in about Henry Rollins when I lived in L.A. off of uh, Melrose Avenue. I used to see him <laughs> driving his gold Porsche. And whether it was his or not, I was like, Henry, you're more of a GTO guy to me. But whatever. I still have some of his uh, books that are long out of print, Black Coffee Blues. And he was rightfully a poet. And uh, great show regardless. And thanks for uh, keeping me informed. Hi, I'm calling about your show on February 26th about changing band members. And I'm not sure if you guys talked about Steely Dan or not. I remember loving them and wanting to see them in concert, but really never could at the time because they weren't a real band. They were always changing. Your everlasting summer, you can see it fading fast. So you grab a piece of something that you think is going to last. Well, you wouldn't even know a diamond if you held it in your hand. The things you think are precious, I can't understand. Thank you. Are you reeling in the east? Stowing away the time. This is Mitch Lieber in Chicago, where I listen on WBEZ. Thanks for the rare collaboration about Fred Hampton. As a young teen from the suburbs, I wandered into a speech by Fred Hampton in a downtown park. He was unforgettable. In the months following the assassination, there was a song written, performed, and recorded about him. It's by influential folk musician Bob Gibson, the ballad of Mark Clark and Fred Hampton. And the bullet-ridden bodies of Mark Clark and poor Fred Hampton See the killer smiling faces as they carry them away all freedom-loving children, you must be ready to do battle against the tyrants that control the cruel war. Hey, Jim and Greg, this is Nando from Berlin. I just heard your review of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Wow, I can say it too. I'm pretty happy that you guys are more open to them. It might be a bit repetitive when you hear entire albums, but I feel like overall, they're really doing something bigger there than just making songs. And uh, when you see them live, I think it really reinforces that. Uh, I live in Berlin, as I said, I've been a few years ago. I went all the way to Dresden to see them because the, the shows here were sold out and I managed to get to Dresden, which is a couple hours away. And I don't know what I was expecting, uh, maybe some sort of like, you know, prog rock revival kind of thing. I mean, I'm 39, you know, I, I went there with that kind of expectation and uh, I couldn't be more wrong. I felt like I was seeing the Ramones, it was just so happy, so, so not, not happy, but just so fast and so intense. The crowd was really just so, like they were all half my age and just just so much energy, you know, like so much like pogo dancing and, you know. <laughs> I still haven't checked out this new album, but now I will. 
keep rocking and take care. wanted to let you know how much I enjoyed your special about Aretha Franklin. Um, I was a Detroiter and a white Jewish boy who fell in love with her music in 1967 and 1968. In February 1968, I went to the Aretha Franklin concert at Cobo Hall in February. And the same night, all of my friends went to see Jimi Hendrix. I've always had a special feeling for Aretha's music. It always moved me in a way that really no other singer has ever moved me. Um, I agree with your program that Amazing Grace was truly one of the most wonderful albums I've ever, ever, ever listened to in my life. I've listened to it hundreds of times. And you guys are right. Nessun Dorma was absolutely a coup, absolutely the greatest version of that beautiful operatic song that I've ever heard. Again, uh, I always wanted to meet Aretha. It never happened. And um, as I say, her music moved me, touched my soul in a way that nobody other, no other singer's music has ever loved me. Thank you so much for the program. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. To submit your comments for a future show, leave us a voice message at our website, soundopinions.org. Thanks to all of our listeners and our producers for getting us to 800 episodes. We can't wait to do 800 more. Meanwhile, what do we have on the show next week, Greg? Next week, Jim, we have a one-two punch that I am really looking forward to hearing. Uh, Author Donnie Walton, a novelist who has just come up with an incredible book, and Mary Clayton. Whoa. The voice behind Gimme Shelter and so many other classic tracks over the years. For more sound opinions, listen to our podcast wherever you find such things. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this program belong solely to Sound Opinions and not necessarily to Columbia College Chicago or our sponsors. And speaking of sponsors, every week our show reaches hundreds of thousands of curious listeners from around the globe via podcast and on 150 public radio stations nationwide. If you'd like to learn more on how your business or organization can also reach this engaged and educated audience, you can email sponsor at soundopinions.org. That's sponsor at soundopinions.org. Thanks, as always, to our Patreon supporters. Sound Opinions is produced by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, and our intern, Sol Delgadillo. <laughs>